0: Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, to the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. First of all, Happy New Year, everyone. We're glad to be back with you in 2022. Looking forward to a great year ahead for all of us. And Brendan, what is our first show of 2022 about? We've got a battle scroll slash winter FAQ review. Okay.
1: The battle scroll is the new downloadable document where they try to encapsulate all of the big ticket items. There are FAQs that still get updated that contain relevant pertinent language changes, but the battle scroll is going to give you the 10,000 foot on those kinds of
0: changes okay awesome and then we're gonna do one other thing right we're gonna do some death army wish listing for two of our favorite armies we're gonna do have you do bone reapers yep and i'm gonna do night haunt yeah and go through some things we're hoping for because we're anticipating both books at some point during the year at least one of them yeah night haunt for sure and we've seen some how dare you it's
1: bone (laughs) reapers for sure
0: (laughs) so that's what we got in store for you glad to be back with you in the new year and we're gonna jump right into whispers from the warp Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, it is Brendan and Dan hobby time. It is. So you got some stuff you've been working on. Yeah, a little still. bit.
1: I've been doing some preparation for the Adepticon teams. You know, we're hoping to be able yep. to get in on sign We've got our team together. And, and who's your team going to be? It's you. So it's myself. Adam Trunzo, mm, cool. Mike Butcher, and Andrew Simons. Oh, cool. So right. just like last year, we're going hobby-oriented with a lot of what it is that we're trying to do. We've done some theme definition and starting to build out some ideas. I've got the you know, 85 90% of the way there army list basically for everybody so folks can start purchasing models and, and working on hobby and that kind of stuff. Great. I've started building some of my models, doing some conversions, you know, just to try and maximize all the points that that you can get for this kind of things. You know, because of the four of us, I'm fourth place in terms of hobby. And I like being in situations like this where I'm required to step up my game, you know, do more detailing, do more converting, try and bring myself towards their level. I definitely don't think I can be outside of that. I mean, I finished third place at Dragonfall in terms of hobby behind... Mike Butcher and Andrew Simons. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> uh, so I feel like I'm capable of getting to that place with them. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a, a journey to just do some of these things. And it's crunch time, right? Like you got to come home. You got to sit down. You got to work on this stuff. You just got to knock it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Pretty
1: cool. Good. And that's probably what I'm going to be working on here, basically wholesale for you know the next two months or so. Right. I don't really have any two-dayers in between here and there that I need to get ready for. So just Adepticon teams, just Adepticon teams, just Adepticon teams, and we'll get to the other side and figure out whatever that
0: is. <laughs> sure, that makes sense.
1: Uh, what about you, though, Dan? Well,
0: I-, I got another 10 Wolves done, and you know it was funny because I just finished the first 10 with this new paint scheme, and the problem was it was like three or four weeks between Mm -hmm. And I was kind of thinking, oh, what the hell did I do? Eventually, I figured it out. I ended up using some glazing because I had put a base coat of a color called Werewolf Brown, which is appropriate, from Army Painter. And then I put the necrotic flesh on top of it because they're dead. Mm -hmm. But it was too bright. So then I created a glaze out of the same brown paint and put it on top, and it looked really nice. So I know now what the process is. And I'm going to work on the next... Thirty wolves that I have to get done, so I'm twenty down. I want to have fifty because my hope, as your hope, you know, to get in on the teams is to get into that narrative event again. Okay. And I'm hoping that with forty slots, I'll have a chance if I jump on it right away. I really was looking forward to it last time, and obviously, I'm going to have a wolf-themed army. So I've still got thirty wolves to paint. I've got forty zombies, which go really quick. You know that. I mean, they take no time. And then I've got to do Belladama, because well, she's going to be. They part can
1: of- take a long time depending on, on what level of detail. you want to apply to. They're
0: kind of like, you know, it's batch painting. When you get that, you know what you want, whatever the details are, and you get your palette laid out, then you can really start knocking them out five, 10 at a time. So I've still got a fair amount of models to do, but I got those wolves done in two or three days, the 10. So I have plenty of time with, as you said, two months to go to get that stuff ready for my thousand point list. So it'll be really fun because I'm going to have Belladama and Gorslav and a potload of wolves. That's going to be it. But it's very themey, I think, and it'll be... Really cool to play that. So crossing my fingers when we talk about Adepticon, I could get what I want. So that's it for me for hobby, really. New stuff. 40K side, there's a little bit of everything. There's some figs, individual characters. There's some individual vehicles. They have eight boxes or eight sets that they have online now for 40K of different armies, whatever it is, orcs, custodies, jeans, ready 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 to go. go You're kind of ready, you know, starting box kind of thing. But they got eight of them, which is huge number. And then we just found out yesterday the custodies and the jeans dealer cults are going up for pre-order, their codexes. Cool. Yesterday. So that's really good news for those guys. Because we've been hearing about it for long enough. So I'm glad it finally showed up on the website. Lots and lots of stuff on the 40K side on the Sigmar side, there really isn't a whole lot. We got the four boxes we've talked about before mm-hmm. that are out there. A few times. And then we have got this Pretty cool, actually. A boss with a grot on the base. He's holding a Skaven head. There's like a rat chasing the grot. It looks like a cool model to just paint, even yeah. if you don't play the army. You should like that, because as much as you hate rats, you should. Be, <laughs> that should be something you want to put up on your shelf, man. That's <laughs> a good point. We could put like a little initials or something for you, you know, for your name or something <laughs> on him. Just <laughs> Anyway, that's out for Sigmar. There really isn't a whole lot else that's been dropped no, we on got, the Sigmar side. We got the preview of what the store birthday
1: models are going to be, the Inquisitor sure. and that kiloboss. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mm. that was so that's fine. cool. Let's go ahead. If you want to go for those things. Yeah. Now, I'm looking and seeing what they're releasing, what the talk is. Do you think Ideneth are going to be next for us on Sigmar's side? Well, I mean,
1: Fire Slayers and Ideneth in that combo box are going to be just like the Gene Steeler's Custodes. It's a two-army box release, and right. I have to imagine the codices come with it.
0: Okay, so the battle tomes will come out shortly after that.
1: Yeah, or even alongside it, because the Eidyneth Deepkin battle tome is the oldest battle tome. Yes. right now, that's something that needs some loves, and Fire Slayers are from. You know, May 2019. So they're certainly not in the oldest category, but they're definitely in an era that predates, you know, kind of the modern state of the game and could definitely use some love and attention and some rules adjustments that bring them into line with the modern state.
0: Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, looking at what happened with. Medkin. The only new model they really got was the Sorcerer, the Rot Sorcerer, right. I think. A, a refresh. Yeah. yeah, a refresh on that. But they didn't really get any centerpiece models, you know, because sometimes when you get an army that gets released, for example, the Cruel Boys got their vultures and a couple other big oh, things. Oh, but that was a totally new army. Right, totally new army. So I'm just thinking that, you know, we get these updated battle tomes. Most of these books already have... Big models in them. I mean, even the Fire Slavers have the Magmatross, and Eidneth has those amazing Eidolon models. Yeah, the Eidolons and the Turtles are... Yeah, and I think whatever new stuff they're going to get, I think each one of them has one new, f- one new, new, hero. new character or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that seems like that's going to be kind of the precedent at this point. Probably. Yeah. But that's not out
1: of character for book rewrites, typically. Mm-hmm. The difference is... You know, unless a new unit gets added, right, you know, you're going to get that box. There's always going to be some model released alongside the Battle Tome, right? Sure. Because they want to generate some level of a sales associated with it. <laughs> right. And typically the incentive would be that hero helps your army do something that it didn't do before. Oh, or right. It didn't do well before. And this character adds that and it drives sales on other sure. sets of models that you might not have
0: owned before. And we saw that with the Rotbringer it was you got the Coven now. Mm-hmm. And that's a useful tool for sure. Okay, cool. Just wanted to mention those. Couples. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we got anything
1: huge and major. The Fire Slayer line, I could see them getting something else because basically everything looks the same.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The only really new things in that box are those two heroes. Like yeah, you said, that's correct. Everything else is available. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what we get. But anyway, that may be coming down the pike. I think that's it for new stuff. Games played, other than Sigmar. I've played two different versions of the Pathfinder adventure card game. This is something Cindy and I have had sitting in our freaking closet for ages. Mm -hmm. And we slowly but surely got through it. We actually reorganized our front closet. And we was like, oh, hey, let's play this game. So we had a great time doing it. And now we're close to the end of this really long adventure path. Like you get a different box for each different adventure path there are like six of them and once you finish that then that box is done and you get another box so we were kind of talking about going to that point because we've been doing it and going for so long and then there's a computer version of the game which is kind of cool i never knew about that and i've been playing that just to kind of help remind me of the mechanics and stuff because when you don't play for six months you kind of forget stuff sure <laughs> but I was doing that and then i actually jumped back into total war i Tried again as Tyrion, and this time I tried a lot harder to confederate because I realized how powerful that is. It's made a huge difference. It's a big deal. I cannot believe the difference it's made. I'm so far. I'm doing the ritual thing. Mm. We get the number of rituals done or whatever. I am so far ahead of everybody else. I can't believe it. I'm usually like right in there with the other ones. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Now your civilization's
1: so far ahead uh, that it's just...
0: It's great. It's really cool. And then I'm doing a StarCraft II Redux. So I'm basically going through the campaigns for each of the three major races in there. And that's been a lot of fun because it's been so long. I literally had forgotten some of the storyline, which is the strength to me of that whole game it was really kind of cool to see oh god i can't believe that person died or i can't believe this happened and it was it was pretty cool it's really neat after so long so that's the stuff i've been doing other than sigmar how about you okay we're in the midst of our
1: evil wasteland replay through we finally got the full evil band together (laughs) and one of the things i've really appreciated about this playthrough so far is we've made some fundamentally different decisions, which Mm -hmm. has resulted in some fundamentally different things that have occurred. You know, there are different quest line and different options that have opened up by doing some of the things that we have done differently. Stuff you never saw before. Exactly. Okay, great. What's funny is, so like every character sometimes jumps in with, you know, like a piece of advice of, you know, like the way that they would kind of treat some of this. Mm -hmm. And the, the evil characters sometimes all jump in and every once in a while, you know, like we're kind of on the fence about something and then like it'll kind of cut over to one of these evil characters like, oh, you know, we should this kind of person doesn't whatever. And we're like, well, I was on the fence, but if that's what our party would do, that's <laughs> you made a good point there. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, so let's go kill some stuff that fits our criteria of, of how we're going to approach <laughs> this. So that's been real fun. That's been cool. We got into the Steel Town DLC, which is, you know, something it's just a different area that you go to. I was joking with my buddy as we were playing through some of this. There's a mission where you have to, like, bring documentation to other locations and other people to sign off and approve things. And I was like, man, I'm going to be really good at this deal. this is just, this is work. Do work, I said, this is, you know, because it's a factory setting. And I was like, great. oh, I'm going to know
0: all the things that we have to do here. This is. I wonder if they need a quality engineer. <laughs> you, wouldn't awesome. wanna, you wouldn't want to work in Steel Town. Steel Town is a horrible place. <laughs>
1: That's been fun. You know, it's been cool, you know, knocking it out. We learned a lot in our first playthrough. And some of the character builds that we've gone Mm. through this time are way more efficient. And we're making fun of some of our original characters. We had this one character, T-Bone, who we ended up putting just like a bunch of miscellaneous things into. And so in combat, he was useless. Mm. Just absolutely pathetically useless. And if we had done like two things differently, great character. But we didn't know it at the time. Sure. We learned all those things, and now we have a character that fills a very similar role and does it way better. And in any case, I got Far Cry 6 around the holidays. Yeah. And so I've been playing that on my Xbox. I'll say it's not a good game. Okay. It's a very fun game, though. Okay. It's just kind of like a mindless, you know, run around a map and do the things that pop up when they pop up in the order that you want or whatever, and... And like, it's cool. Like, it's fun. I can't be helped. And I try and manipulate the edge of the computer and these kinds of things that you can do. So one of my favorite things to do is just find a piece of high terrain. The game is set in basically a pseudo-generic, you know, kind of Cuba, South America dictatorship kind okay. of location. You know, there's this quote-unquote evil government presence and you are the revolutionary guerrilla force. Okay. Okay. And so some things that they do, like, hey, you know, there's an oil refinery and, you know, we need those resources, you know, go out there and take it. And so I'll find the highest piece of terrain I can either just outside or inside the base. You've got this pet attack alligator that you get like super early <laughs> oh, that's in the game.
0: So stupid.
1: <laughs> and as long as you are a higher level or equal level to the area that you're in, you know, there's no like disparity in terms of, you know, difficulty and how much damage they do, how much damage they receive, and and vice okay. versa, and that kind of stuff. So I'll work the perimeter, you know, with some long-range firearm of some variety, okay, and then sick my attack alligator at you know other things to try and draw attention to that, and then pick people off as they're drawn to that oh, commotion, like and
0: then you know, sniper palooza, yeah, man. and
1: then I just <laughs> drop down and I capture the thing I'm supposed to capture in an empty base, and I get, I get all these bonuses for no one detected you, no alarm sound. It's like well, I shot the alarms out on my way in. Like that was <laughs> that's awesome. Of course, no alarms were sounded. They weren't working. It's not like particularly compelling, but boy, it's just a lot of fun to sing Great. like an hour or two into every once in a while and yeah. just kind of oh, work yeah. your way through. So
0: mindless fun. Yeah,
1: it's been a while since I've had a video game where. You know, it kind of fits that description and I enjoy it. You know, I'm just gonna work my way through that over probably the next couple of weeks and months and perfect. Not buy into all of the pay for play stuff that like, oh you can spend, you know, eight real dollars to change the skin of the video of uh, your gun in the game. No. No. <laughs> no, I won't. I don't think I will. If you're looking for just some mindless shoot 'em ups, then
0: Far Cry. Yeah, Far Cry six. Okay. So that's it for other stuff. How about any Sigmar stuff?
1: Yeah, I've played three or four games oh, wow. at this point since our last show. I played two games with the new Kragnos War Scroll from the Battle Scroll with Beast Claw Raiders and oh. monster trucks and just rush them across the board and do a bunch oh, of damage and man. hope they explode. First one was against Stormcast, and I was able to kind of successfully pen him in. Impact hit, impact it, impact it, impact hit. Kragnos pulled off a Night Oh, wow on the impact, and just blew up everything else. The next game was against Magikin of Nurgle, and the disease points just ground me out over mm. the course of that game. I was in a decent scoring position, but just over time, the disease points just added up and started to bring my monsters down, and actually got Kragnos um, oh. kind of early. Wow. That And then I played two games yesterday against Magikin. One I played with Giants, and Giants just steamroll them. The Nurgle army just doesn't that I that was playing just didn't have the ability to do the damage check to mm-hmm. one take the hit and then two give a hit that was comparable to what needed to happen. So sure. then we re-racked and I played with a Blood Knights list. Okay. Just a nail biter all the way to the finish, the priority roll into battle round five. He had a Lord of Afflictions with the overwhelming stench, which is the can't Issue command abilities within seven and can't receive if you're holy within seven. Mm -hmm. And that Lord of Afflictions just drove me nuts. He had the artifact where, you know, you get to reroll saves based on the number of wounds you've taken or Mm -hmm. something like that. I just couldn't move the guy. I (laughs) needed to hold that side so he couldn't get to my objectives. I maybe should have cut my losses earlier and just tried to threaten other parts of the board, Mm -hmm. but... Obsessed with him? Yeah, it was driving me nuts. (laughs) Yeah, so that was a fun game. It's definitely slow... You know, Nurgle definitely has some counters and some weaknesses in terms of a matchup or mission or some combination thereof. But I've been quite impressed with how the disease points impact over the course of the game. Okay. And then I've got a one day or next Saturday. So I'll figure out what I want to play and awesome. just throw some dice. Great.
0: Great. So you got some Sigmar in. Yeah. Awesome. Let's move on to events free con for me next weekend I hope I'm crossing my fingers to get down to that historical gaming weekend but looking at the weather it's going to be iffy because it looks like Friday, Saturday is when that's when the con is Mm -hmm. looks like there's going to be a few inches of snow so we're going to have to play it by ear because I think Ike is kind of you know, hoping to have it, but he understands. So yeah. I hope it goes off. It would be really cool. It's danger of winter events. Yeah, of course. Then we got Adepticon. We're really close. I mean, by the time people listen to this episode, many of them will have signed up, including us, <laughs> for the weekend and the week. My first question is, since you're the Grand Poobah for the big gig, the singles event, mm-hmm. how are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling excited, a combination of the two? Where are you right now?
1: It's a tournament. You Even know.
0: with that many people?
1: <sighs> sure. I mean, the principle remains the same. You just have to change the number of personnel that... The scale. Yeah, that help you and do different things. like you know, if you run a 15 person local and a 50 person you know two day event the things that you do are effectively the same and then if you're going from 50 to 200 the things that you do are effectively the same the way that you do it just changes a little bit okay so cool. you just need more people you know i've got some folks who volunteered yeah we have that and you know champs is just super vanilla my pack is nothing special there's not weird considerations <laughs> when you run big events like this, you know people just want kind of regular games of Warhammer. They don't want your opinion on how you think Warhammer should be played. Sure, that's fine. That makes sense. That's what Bruce City's for. Yeah. Like you know, if right. you if you want the way I want to be playing this game, that's the event you go to. It's not for everybody. You put your stamp on that. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's an event and an investment and a decision that I make wholesale. Right. This is a part of something larger. Right. And you're signing up for something larger when you do that. It wouldn't be right. One of the big pieces of news that came out on Friday was the new policy around COVID. Okay. So you will have to show that you have been vaccinated and you have to wear your mask. Okay. So there is no alternative for negative testing, okay. uh, and that's in compliance with the rules in the state of Illinois and Cook County. Probably. Right. Well, that's so what you need to do. That's what it is. And whatever the rules are at the time is the rules that are going to be applied. Sure. So
0: all right. And that applies for all of Adepticon. Yes. So at this point. Yes. yes. Okay. Good to know. Other than your event on mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday, you're also going to try to sign up for doubles yeah. or for I mean, team. We're planning on signing up for teams, and that's really the only event that
1: I have any ambition towards, you know, because that okay. eats up so much of your time. And then
0: I'm TOing the other two days. So, yeah, that's it. That's your four days. Exactly. Are you going down Wednesday night? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I'm hoping again, as I did last time, I actually got signed up for the Sigmar narrative event. And I'm really hoping that I can get into that again. My building and my hobby right now is kind of focused on that. How motivated I am to finish what I talked about in the hobby section will depend on mm-hmm. whether I get signed up for that or not. But I've also got alternative right. things I want to get done. There's a... Game called Witchborn that I played last time, really fun. It's a single guy who's kind of designed this game. It's pretty neat. Uh, Freelance is something that I think people have heard of at least. It's another miniatures kind of skirmish game. And then there's a Age of Sail kind of event. It sounds really fun. i would never done miniature boats before,
1: or you know, oh, I like I warships, thought it was Sail
0: S A L E. No, 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 no. And I was like, you're going to a miniature sale To sign up for that? No, it's Age of S A I L, and that sounds like it could be a lot. Of fun, and then there's a couple of hobby seminars I'm looking at signing up for, depending on what's open and what's not. That's kind of my agenda, but again, it all kind of revolves around what happens on Friday, whether I get signed up for the narrative event, mm-hmm. which will be a lot of fun. If for some reason this
1: episode gets out before the 11th, signups are on the 11th at 7 p.m. Central. I believe. 7 Central, yep. If you have missed signups and your event is full, sign up for the waitlist. So many of these events have drops leading up to the events. Yes. Even if you don't get in, there are drops the day of. Okay. If you are already planning on being there and you would like to be in that event, show up day of if you didn't make it in. And typically the way I've seen it run for champs is, you know, it's first come first serve on that wait list. If you're present and there were drops day of. Okay. We're going to have access to that. I don't know. And I don't think that there's going to be any spots that open up beyond you know, what the availability is. But, you know, you're already talking, I think it was 220 spots for singles. It's kind of a lot, especially given... The circumstances. um, Right, where you are going to have some lack of interest from some people because it doesn't meet their risk value. I mean, there's
0: going to be some external filtering going on this time that we've really never seen before. right. But you never know, and we'll find out soon enough. I mean, it's coming up, and it's going to happen one way or the other, it looks like, which is great news, just taking the right precautions. That's it for Adepticon news, and I'll try to get this out by Tuesday. We'll see if that happens. And then the last thing is Holy Wars is still happening about a month from now. Yep. 12th and 13th, right of February. We'll look forward to hearing about that. And that's it for events. So let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our Battle score review and our Army wish listing. Cool. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. All right, folks, we are back with Emperor Lies, and we're going to start off with our FAQ Battle Scroll review. I'll walk through
1: the, the detail items that aren't necessarily encapsulated specifically in what the Battle Scroll is talking about. So in the Battle Scroll, under the Chaos section... It talks about how coalition units aren't able to benefit from the allegiance abilities anymore. Mm-hmm. And from the 10,000 foot view, that's correct. What that means, though, is that everything in your battle tome gets the updated keywording like what you see in Maggotkin of Nurgle, where everything applies to Maggotkin of Nurgle units and no longer just Nurgle keyworded units. Right. So for Blades of Corn, it's Blades of Corn, Disciples of Zeench, He Knights of Sunesh. Okay. All that kind of stuff. So that ends up being a big deal for Archeon on top of the chain war scroll that he has, where he no longer benefits from the things in that army. So he doesn't have the ability to use destiny dice. He doesn't have the ability to pick up on some of the items from Heedon Knights of Slash that you were able to set him off the board and kind of scroll him away and come off a table edge, which was kind of cool. And from a lower level perspective... You're not able to bring in some of those other units that can really tip something to 11 and benefit from those same abilities. You can still bring them, but they don't gain access to the things that that book does. Okay. Which actually solves, in some part, the Gas Reapers conundrum from 2018, where they were in Night Haunt, but they were really good in Legions. Yeah. And how do you balance that? Yeah.
0: Well, this is, seems like how they're doing it. it. Yep. Right. Yes. That's great. That's the way it goes. And it was a simple change. I mean, it wasn't that big a deal in terms of the wording. The mechanics are simple, which you want to see if you're going to make that big of a change. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly.
1: Marathi knows all the lore of shadow spells in the Daughters of Cain army. Yeah. Which she should. Cool. I actually <laughs> went back to my book to see you know, what the wording on that was originally, and I was like, Oh, it wasn't there at all, uh, <laughs> which seemed a little unusual. Clarification out of the Stormcast one where unique enhancements are unique. You can only take each unique one once. You mm-hmm. can take multiple uniques, but you can only take each unique one once. Imagine the word unique has meaning. Alariel, meaning. <laughs> they say to update her war scroll in the battle tome, but her war scroll was updated in Broken Realms. Yeah. Not super sure what that one was about. I think that'll end up being corrected at at some point because, yeah, not super sure what the aim was here. They also define specifically what subfaction means for each of the armies. Now, I think a lot of us already knew what that was, Mm -hmm. but now it's actually been defined in text. Okay. So then jumping over to what the battle scroll is talking about specifically, there are three... New War Scrolls for mm-hmm. Kragnos, Archeon, and Nagash. And there are also three rules changes that I think end up being pretty critical. The first of which is heroic recovery you can't do if you're within three inches of an enemy model.
0: That's big.
1: Yeah, so your big, dumb, fighty characters that want to be fighting all the time, if they want to heal, they have to be stepped back for, you know, that moment in time. Yep. You know, if you clean everything out at the end of every combat phase, you're good to go, but... Part of what made some of these units so killer, and one of the ones in my mind is the Vangorian Lord that I had been using, was the ability to heal in combat and continue to just (laughs) make you grind through all of these wounds. If you got to get me, you got to get all of them, all in one go. Right. Good luck. One of the other big ones is the Amulet of Destiny is now a six-up, not a five-up ward. Wow. Which is impactful and meaningful Mm -hmm. for a lot of armies. You know, it's a... 100% Hundred percent reduction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I guess it's a fifty percent reduction in the number of saves that you're going to make, right? From before you need to, that you need to kill something. Yep. Right. Yeah. Those extra wounds that are added on as right. a result, and then unleash hell. And the wording on it is super sneaky. Is now six inches instead of nine, and it's models in the unit that are within six inches,
0: not the whole unit. Right. So if you've got one model in at six inches, you could shoot at the whole unit. Right. Now you can only take out what's within six. Well, you can only shoot at that
1: model. No. Okay. So if you only have one model in your unit that is within six inches of that unit, only that one model can shoot. Okay. So you have to shoot at the unit that triggered it. And in the unit that is doing the shooting, only models that are within that six inch range are eligible to do the shooting.
0: All right. It's on the shooting end. Got it. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Very sneaky. I really like the way that they have formatted the battle scroll, where it gives you the top level view of what all the changes are. Some of the more specific ones you have to go in and jump into your erratas and FAQs. Not a big deal. Most people already, all they're looking at is the document that is relevant to their armies. Not everybody is the maniacs that we are, where you know, you're know <laughs> filing through everything to communicate what the changes are. So having a cohesive document like this is pretty cool. So you know, let's talk about the War Scrolls real quick before yeah. we you know do any minor points discussions. Yeah,
0: let's talk about Archeon first. Sure. Why don't you talk about him? Because I, I don't like Archeon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All in all, there's a lot of things on Archeon that are the same. The War Master wording, you know, got added physically to his War Scroll instead of being in the FAQ, where now because of the lack of keywords that he has, you know, he can't use the Army Allegiance abilities, but the Army Allegiance's abilities still work. Mm -hmm. Cool. The Eye of Shireen is the updated version, where it's the once per battle you are minus one to hit. One of the major changes off this War Scroll is his command ability section. He doesn't have two command abilities anymore. He only has one. And it's only by my will now. So this is a command ability that unit can issue at the start of the combat phase, which is a big deal because you used to only issue it in your hero phase, and then your other command ability lets you issue it out of phase. Another friendly chaos unit, this is the other change. It used to be slaves to darkness unit. Now it's any. any of the four gods. So when you include him outside of slaves to darkness in some of these other armies, now you can... Add this benefits to that. That's your trade-off. Sure. I don't know that it's a great trade-off, but that's the trade-off. Must receive it. The unit cannot issue this command to itself until the end of the phase. Each time a model in that receiving unit is slain, it can fight. You can give it to any chaos unit. You now can't give it to Archeon for fight when they die, (laughs) which, (laughs) okay, you know, won me a game at one point. But overall, the profile remains the same, the crown of damnation remains the same, the armor remains the same, the four-up save, or the four-up to ignore spells is the same, Mm -hmm. Slayer of Kings is the same, the heads are the same, and he gets an extra command point at the start of your hero phase if he's on the table. Perfect. Fine. It's really only a couple of changes that that were already rolled into this character from the get-go. I don't know that it removes him from the table, but the things in places where he was being largely abused, that is changed off of the War Scroll, and that's where you're going to see less of him in that regards. You'll see him in Slaves to Darkness. I still think that that varengard corn list that I was running works still. Okay. Even with uh, these changes. Yeah, okay. it, it just works differently. All right. You, know, you have to be a little more judicious in his command point spend, right, because... He can only issue it to one unit, and he doesn't have the ability to issue fight when you die and multiple times in multiple places and force these kinds of dilemmas on your opponent's side on what activation do I do these things in to minimize the number of activations that my <laughs> opponent is going to get. Sure. Yeah, that's fine.
0: All right, then that's it for
1: Archeon. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Kragnos, if oh. that's good. Of the three, I think the Kragnos is the big winner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to comment first on something that's on his war scroll, the mightiest makes rightiest. I really love the mechanic of reducing the models he counts for as he's wounded. Now, there certainly are implications for if you were to do something like this to giants and things like that. There are people who say it's going to motivate giants not to engage as much. I disagree with that because when you look at this chart, Brendan, if a giant takes... 12 wounds, that's a huge amount. That's almost half his... He still counts for, let's say, 25 models. That's still a huge number of models that you have to get around. So I think this kind of a degradation in terms of the model count would be really useful for bringing them more in line. And when you look at, you know... They're people who just spend all their time looking at the data and doing the stat stuff. <laughs> giants are still way up there in terms of success. They're still quite good. Yeah. yeah. And so this, I think, would bring them more in line. And I hope that at some point they will at least consider doing this for Giants and, and giving them that, you know, that kind of balance in terms of their model count. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's a big deal for Kragnos because before he only counted his
0: five models. Right. And this is great that he has that, which he should. I mean, look at the model. <laughs> Come on. That should very well be something he gets. We have the Avatar of Destruction is... He didn't have that before. Okay, so that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. And then we have End of Empires. This is amazing. And Super you played good. with it in your Beast Claw army. Yep. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, like even foot ogres, if they got this. Or I was thinking Beast Claws right away because they are already so darn fast. Man, this is so good. But go ahead. If you talk to us about that. So, end of empires. So the end of empires,
1: the rule is if a friendly destruction unit is wholly within 12 inches of this unit, you can attempt to charge if it is within 18 inches of an enemy unit instead of 12. In addition, when making a charge roll for a friendly destruction unit, wholly within 12 inches, this unit rolls 3d6 instead of 2d6. Prosecutors. <laughs> the wombo combo with Beast Claw Raiders that's associated with this is the Frostlord. Has a command ability where friendly beast claw raiders units that are wholly within, I think it's twelve inches, when they attempt to charge, can reroll their charge roll. So you're spending one command point for all of those units that are in range to have a three d six rerolling charge, and then you have oh, impact hits God. associated with the number on that
0: charge roll. Oh, jeez, crazed. That so,
1: is So you know the difference between averaging a seven and averaging a ten and a half on your charge—significant, kind of a big deal. Yeah.
0: I'm hoping that we see some changes in terms of the game and the meta and stuff with this. I'm hoping this will give some Destruction Armies some really interesting opportunities to yeah. I think his highest
1: stuff. level of relevance in terms of additional inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some big wall lists that could take him, and there are some giants lists that took them. I don't know that either of those were the most competitive versions of those books, mm-hmm. but I think his place of immediate highest level of value add is in the Ogre Maw Tribes book and in the Goomspike Gits book. Okay. Orc War Clans and the Giants book, you know, still pick up value because who doesn't want 3D6 charging
0: giants? That are already moving 12 inches or 10 inches,
1: whatever, yeah. Who doesn't want 3D6 inch charging pigs or Maw (laughs) Crushers or things like that? Yeah, right. Sounds great. But an inclusion of a character like this, I think improves those books a bit. And to your point, the Foot Ogres, I think take this buff well and obviously Beastclaw take it
0: very well. Really well. <laughs> yeah.
1: You're very low on model count, but your goal is to get across the board and just bulldoze whatever stands in front of you. Yeah,
0: engage. Yeah, yeah. you want to engage. Yeah. Especially against shooty armies. This is particularly interesting, I think.
1: <laughs> and then the last change on his war scroll is the shield of Still does the same thing, but now it also added a six up ward. Huh? It addresses, you know, this model's greatest weakness from before because he's a base two up. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't remove the vulnerability, right? It adds a little bit of you still get a chance at mortal wounds. You still mm-hmm. get a crack at dealing with that. Sure. And then the rest of his scroll is is the same. His okay. his fighting profile, his movement profile, all of that same. All right. Same, same, same. Okay. You know, hopefully he find the the value add for him at his price point.
0: And then the last guy, the death lord with the awesome hat.
1: Yes. Big hat man <laughs> himself. So he got a rewrite kind of more in the vein of Archeon than than Kragnos. Right. His overall wheel profile remains the same. Mm-hmm. He got some more attacks with his staff. So cool, yeah, helpful. His table remains the same in terms of... The way it works.
0: Casting unbinding extra spells, those things yeah, are all the same. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So on his war scroll, he picks
0: up the ability to be included in every death army, not which
1: just not just Soul Blight and not just Bone Reapers. It's so cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously there's been a bazillion lines of script about people talking with them being added, him being added to a Nighthaunt army and people trying that with Nighthaunt. In particular the fact that he has access to an exceptionally good spell lore, which Nighthaunt have probably one of the strongest. They have really solid spell lore. They've got a great spell lore, but no caster to, right. to take advantage Right. And now, of guess what? Now you do. <laughs> he could actually cast one of each <laughs> if he wanted to. But I think that's really, really cool. We're going to talk a little bit about some interaction with one of the processions. I think it's important to do because mm. there's some questions here. But I'm just really glad that they did this, Brendan. I, I think there shouldn't be any Death Army that can't include him.
1: It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. The caveat on knowing all of the spells from whatever army it is that you're included in mm-hmm. is he no longer can use the allegiance abilities of that army.
0: Which is similar to what Archeon got.
1: Right. Uh, yep. Which means, though, that he loses his six-up ward save.
0: Yes, which is totally bizarre to me that there's the king of death. Every death army has six-up ward saves. and. Nagash doesn't have one. it makes no sense yeah he's got a four up against mortal wounds
1: yeah but not against regular damage right
0: which is it's it's unusual yeah it's very strange and let's talk about the one interaction with this because it says in addition you can still use the army's allegiance abilities even though this unit is not from the army's faction however this unit does not benefit from them Mm -hmm. okay so the army can use them Nagash cannot Right. So the question has come up with Emerald Host. I just want to read out of the Bellicor book <laughs> to really. What does it literally say?
1: Turn your Bellicor books to page ninety three and pretty read close. together. It's actually
0: with... ninety eight. <laughs> How did you know that? Anyway, I have a very problematic memory. <laughs> How about course. that? What it says is all night haunt units in your army, gain that keyword, which is emerald host, in that case, and you can use that procession's allegiance abilities. So it particularly uses those words, that right. the procession has allegiance abilities. So
1: right, so Nagash is not part of the procession, right? Because he doesn't no, have the night keyword, which means that he can't pick up the procession keyword.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So the question is then, it says, in addition, roll a dice before you allocate a wound or mortal wound to your general.
1: Which Nagash would be one of them. He
0: could be a general, yeah. If they're within three inches of a hex wraith unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a two-up allocate the wound or mortal wound the way it seems like just from your inflection there and the way i'm reading this is that because he can't be part of the procession he could still use that hex rate bounce correct and the reason
1: i would interpret it that way yes. is because this is a rule for the hex race not for the general the way if that interaction is intended to work differently the way that you mm-hmm. fix that is keyword night haunts emerald host general Right, and then you're done. Like, right. it doesn't matter that Nagash has all these other words on his war scroll. Correct. He doesn't have
0: those three words, and he needs those. Yep. Right. Put those in there. So, as written, <clears throat> yep. You get a bodyguard. Yep. Which For is, Nagash. Yeah. Good. Which, which is dumb. And the simple solution here, and it is a simple solution, is kill the bodyguard. Mm-hmm. You, that is the thing. You know, it, you get rid of the bodyguard, and the gash is open, and we go from there. An interesting. Change and an interesting option for him and something to see how this gets interpreted at events now until we get clarification, mm-hmm. which could be a while. Yeah. Because this just came out. Oh, darn, the Nighthaunt
1: menace will once again surface on the tables. Oh. For the first time. Ever.
0: Ever. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah.
1: Well, whatever, right?
0: Like, Yeah. I'm really happy about that change. I think it's great. There are a couple of other things here. You no, know, the Nighthawk
1: players thrilled the uh, Yeah, <laughs>
0: can you imagine that? So we have... Hand of Dust is the same. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we've got is we've got something called Death Magic Incarnate. So he
1: lost his command ability before, which was table-wide immune to Battleshock. shock, Correct. Reroll hit rolls of one and save rolls of one. Right. Which was awesome.
0: Which was crazy. So good. So now the command ability... Is this unit, if it's on the battlefield, the start of the combat phase, this unit, a unit that receives, and it's the unit that receives the mm-hmm. command, must be a different friendly death unit. In other words, he can't do this to himself. Right. It says here, add one to ward saves for that unit until the end of the phase. So if he's in a Nightharn army example, that unit will have a five up death save. Yep. Instead of a six up. Okay, cool. That's awesome. When I talk about some of my thoughts for wishlisting for Night Haunt, we'll see how that all interacts. The Supreme Lord of the Undead is interesting because now what happens is he adds one to the number of slain models that are returned to a unit. Or you, or, can, or you can re-roll the dice that determine the number of slain models. Correct. It's an interesting choice because you're guaranteeing yourself, since most of the rolls are a D3, mm-hmm. so you're guaranteeing with this two models to come back. Mathematically. Mathematically, you're guaranteeing two. So you can use either or. It doesn't say you can use both. But if you pick to add one, mm-hmm. then it's two automatic. You're or, it's, roll a or it's one, of one
1: automatically if you don't roll high enough Correct. For, for something yeah. like that. Or when you use Rally mm-hmm. on something like, well, I don't know, Blood Knights, you
0: guarantee <laughs> at least one. Sure. It's an interesting choice. I know for me, I'm going to go with the adding one because, you know, I've got Ruler of the Spirit Host. I've got Black Coach. They can both bring back D3. Each one of those is going to bring back a minimum of two, up to four. That's pretty powerful to bring back that many models. So I really like that change. The reroll I think,
1: is most applicable if he's included in a Flesh Eater Quartz Army. Okay. The reason I say that is their returns are all based on basically fistful of dice being rolled, and Mm. for every value greater than X, you can return, you know, that many models to a unit. Okay. Theirs isn't, and it may be a situation, right, where you do want to add the plus one. But, you know, like ghouls and stuff like that are on two ups. Mm Mm-hmm it might be a situation where you're really fishing for like three or four horrors to come back Mm. and you need fives on those you might want to take the reroll over the the adding plus one that makes sense it's pretty neat because in the invocation of nagash he maintains the returning summonable so that's one of his big adds to night haunt is he would be able to add three wounds of slain models back to units and it's three there's no Mm. roll yep straight three and same thing for Bone Reapers. And then he would apply the plus one on his own. So it would be three models worth and then one model. Yep. Or three wounds of model worth and then one model.
0: Yep. I'm thinking Spirit Host, for example. Mm-hmm.
1: That would be a real nice recovery for a unit of you
0: right. know, you, six you of Right. You that. either
1: heal one all the way to full and then you add one or you are already at full on all of your wounds. You add one. You know, because that's three wounds worth of model, and then you add another one because yep. of Nagash's rule. In you know, OCR, Bone Reapers, you know, that would be a full Cavalos Death Rider, and then another mm-hmm. Cavalos Death Rider. Sure. Nice. Yeah, that, that's pretty all right. There's some cool interactions with it. I don't think that this removes him from play. I think you have to consider the model differently as mm-hmm. a result. Okay. And how do you think. What well, are well a first of off, you can use him in Nighthaunt. Well,
0: yeah. Let's, uh, okay. <laughs> true.
1: The other half of it is. I've been kicking around with Steve Potasic from Partners at War, the potential inclusion into some Flesh Eater Quartz armies, and the gash in like 200 ghouls, I don't think is bad. Oof. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. It's different. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to open the door to people applying his rules a little bit you know, more creatively. I think you'll still see him used in a very similar capacity in OCR Bone Reapers. Okay. Where you're basically using him as a casting powerhouse. I mm-hmm. think he loses a fair bit of his value not having the reroll hits and saves of one. Because that's what a lot of that list was using him for. Because those units were so efficient. Sure. He's always had access to that lore. I don't think you're going to see different Nagash Bone Reaper lists as a result. And when you consider the application of Soulblight... The list that he was already being most present in was a Blood Knights list.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, rerolling hit rolls and save rolls of one was excellent on that, but now his application of that is keeping those units up and fighting in a more consistent and regular basis. So, sure. I mean, first and foremost, you're going to start seeing Emerald Host processions yeah. in the Gash
0: list until it's rewritten or ruled differently. <laughs> and most
1: quite th- frankly, as it's worded, it works.
0: <laughs> uh, and. Quite honestly, I think just about every Nighthawk player has some hex rays stashed away somewhere.
1: A few. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly looked at mine as being like, oh, I should probably repaint those at some point. And here recently <laughs> I went, yeah, I kind of need to repaint these if I have any ambition of playing this. Yeah. Uh, they're on the same basing, it's just the scheme is a little bit different, so sure, you know, you'd probably want to bring it into line, but to hell with them.
0: Yeah, well, and I have to say, I did succumb to the Nagash thing, and I made my call to mini-stomp, and he's mm. sitting there. <laughs> he's sitting there waiting. Because even if he's not
1: benefiting from um, the emerald host procession oh, yeah. the inclusion of a caster like this is huge the spell lore for night haunt there's maybe one spell in there that i think is just kind of yeah hey whatever like you have it cool if not you know fine. But you weren't taking it anyways, because you could really only fit one or two
0: casters in there, and they were trying to get specific value out of something else. And we'll talk about those when we talk about sure. the wish listing because I want to mention a couple of those in a way to use Nagash. I think that we we haven't seen a lot of before, and I think a lot of people have been talking about using him in a different way, too. Yeah, Being more aggressive with him.
1: I mean, that's it for the War Scroll bit of this. Okay, Going over to points, is there anything that really jumped out at you, Dan, that that caught your attention that you want to talk about I in mean, any capacity.
0: Other than obviously I'm gonna focus in on our Night Haunt, because my guys are sitting there and you know, there's some point reductions and Right, you continue to get Hallelujah. A, uh- <laughs> I'm never gonna complain about point reductions in my army. I mean, nobody will. I say that I'm never gonna play Kurtos, but I probably won't. But the black coach and Raikonor both got some you know ten percent reduction, something like that. It's pretty significant, mm. and yeah, I'll take that. I can use those points to probably squeeze in another ten chain Wraths. You know that that's worth it, and we'll see what happens. So now I can't think of anything else. I think this verifies or kind of solidifies the change in the storm Drake guard that came out. Mm. We saw this is in writing now.
1: Yeah. So, so all the things that went up, from my perspective were the correct things to have gone up. You can argue that the magnitude of the change wasn't (laughs) sufficient, but that's fine. That's like your opinion, man. Yeah, right. A couple of the things that went down that I think were interesting and worth having an eye on. Crypt Horrors, I -hmm. think, at 110. Very interesting choice. A four-wound, just kind of blob of wounds unit that you can turn into battle lines. You can take a unit of nine of them. A 36 Pack of wounds. Wow. <coughs> that are just rolling around the board that you can bring back in bulk. Yeah, now. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely has my attention. Decrease in points on Catacross. hmm. You talk about Nighthaunt. I'm here to talk about Bone Reapers. Very exciting. <laughs> Cost reduction on the aspect of the sea. Yeah, you know that's good because it was really getting outpaced on by the aspect of the storm. But I don't think the aspect of the storm was in a place where it warranted a points increase. Right. So taking the other one and, and bringing bring that down, love that. That's great. Dragon ogres coming down to 125. Yeah. Fielding an army of them as like an honest thunder scorn army, I think might be viable. Pretty all right. Yeah. Yeah. There's just some good point reductions that make you look at some stuff a little bit differently. Some of the stuff that went up, you know, like sentinels and Grunts's You saw you needed to go up. Oh, yeah. They were just good. I'm quite happy with this. Yeah. You know, if your argument is, you know, the magnitude of the change wasn't right, but the direction was correct. Okay, fine. Whatever. If the argument is that direction was wrong... That's a separate conversation. I think the direction on everything listed here was correct. Okay. I don't think that there was anything that jumped out to me as missing that feels particularly egregious. Sure. Um, I'm sure there's somebody who goes, well, this one unit that I really love, you know, the points weren't reduced and I want them lower. (laughs) Hey, man, I'm really sorry. Like, I'd make the argument, but they didn't go up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, something like Black Knight's coming down to 100 points. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Still not taking them. No,
0: nobody's going to take them anyway. (laughs) It doesn't
1: matter. I was pretty happy overall with what this was. I like the concept of the battle scroll. There's a rumor floating around that adjustments are going to be made quarterly instead of at the half year mark. We'll see if that's real. I don't know how I feel about that quite yet, but we'll see.
0: Okay, nice. I think that's it then for battle scroll and FAQ.
1: And then you and I are going to yell at the void for you know, like an hour or so talking about what we want to see in books that we love the most. (laughs) Yes.
0: There you go. Listeners. We will be right back with a little bit of death army wishlisting. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Alright folks, we are back and what we're gonna do is some wish listing. And we're gonna start with Brendan talking about his beloved bone reapers, and then I will go through my a little more lengthy list of things I'd like to see changed in Nighthaunts. So Brendan, start us off with Catacrosis boys, please.
1: Part of what we're gonna do here is obviously Dan has a affinity for Nighthaunt and I have an affinity for bone reapers. There is a kind of known entity out there that <laughs> AOS 3.0 is out. We've gotten a destruction book. We've gotten an order book. We've got a chaos book. We're hoping that we're going to be getting a death book here very shortly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thre- the three on the table, because you're probably not getting a new Soulblight book here <laughs> anytime soon, is Bone Reaper's Flesh Eater Courts, and Night Haunt. We don't have a third host on the show who loves Flesh Eater <laughs> Courts, so sorry. These are the two that we're talking about. And what we're going to try and do here is we're going to explain, you know, some of the things that we'd like to see come out of a new Battle Tome release for... These books, you know, maybe there's some models associated with it, some rules, you know, be it what it is. Mm-hmm. Dan left this pretty open ended, so if there's no consistency between the two of us, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're two very different people. When I'm looking at the Bone Reapers, part of what I found to be so intrinsically fascinating with the Battle Tome release was the relentless discipline points and the mm-hmm. mechanic. You had this meta currency and resource that required a good general. To maintenance and manage that spend in the appropriate times and in the correct ways to get the maximum result.
0: And it was such a unique currency, Brandon. That's right. what's really cool
1: about it. Because you got your one command point every turn, and that was it. You could pre-buy some in the form of purchasing an extra command point for fifty points, or buying battalions to kind of pre-stockpile mm-hmm. those all the way. At that time, yep. the way that it works now, where everybody gets this pool of command points that the slate is clean at the end of it and your access to them is dependent on different variables on the field is some version of relentless discipline points. Mm -hmm. You don't get them in the same volume and the triggers aren't necessarily the same. But part of what made Bone Reapers so interesting and unique to me was that that mechanic was unique to them. Mm -hmm. They had units Champions that could issue command abilities to themselves that handed out buffs and bubbles. Well, now everybody gets to do that. As long as you've got a unit champion, you can do the same thing. If you're elite, you can do the same thing. The Bone Reapers had a specific keyword that effectively was the version of elite. Mm-hmm. 3.0 was basically everybody getting Bone Reapers rules. <laughs> The most important thing to me that I want to see come out as different on the other side of a mm-hmm. battle tome release is a review and a revision of the Dreadless Discipline mechanics, where if you are going to keep it kind of in that same vein, where I have lost access to the generic command abilities, I want to come away with a negotiated settlement where, you know, I come out with something different, but we can look at it as, oh, okay, this is roughly equal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you say, well, you know, the ability to use the same command ability multiple times is that negotiated difference. And I would argue with you, no, it's not. Cool. The thing I could do before and now everybody, you know, gets to do the same thing, too. And, you know, this is, you know, old man yells at clouds. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) in terms of what everyone else got versus what they got, they didn't get anything. Uh They only had the difference taken from them. And it didn't show up in the point spread, which is where I think the other negotiation on this comes in, where, okay, well, you need to have more stuff on the table then. So everything's got to come down this many points to field the difference. Well, that didn't happen. Structurally, to me, that's the most important thing. If you release no new models, if you change no one's war scrolls outside of whatever you have to do to bring it in line with whatever the current state of affairs is, Obviously your subfaction's coming down to a one or two sentence, you know, kind of subfaction instead of everything that goes <laughs> with it. Fine. That's the one thing, that's the one line I draw where I say that's what this book needs. Okay. On a re-release condition. Okay. In terms of, you know, the want versus needs kind of thing, I categorize that into the needs. Everything else falls into the wants category. Okay, that's fair. Because I do like the way the army plays. I like the way the army looks. I like the story behind it. I like the way that it goes. The world is just open-ended in terms of what it is that you can include from there. It's got a good spell lore. It's got a good base of heroes. It's got a good base of units to begin with. The catapult is one of the most (laughs) interesting and unique units Mm -hmm. in the game. It is a ranged unit that functions fundamentally differently from everything else. Is it good right now? Not really, but whatever. Like, it does its own thing. And if the game state shifts in a way, it becomes a prime target for inclusion. I mean, people were running four catapults previously, and that was totally normal. That was something that was a legitimate decision. Now that it has no rends, and this is an environment where your targets can improve their armor save by being targeted, a little bit different. So... In that sense, could it use a rewrite? Maybe. Should it? I don't think it should. I don't think that it should necessarily automatically get rend just because the game state has changed. Could you give it an alternate firing solution where you make some sort of trade-off to gain the rend? Sure. I think that would be cool. And I think it would be in line with what it is that the Bone Reaper book does. Where you have this versatility on the situational, on the fly, spending discipline points to gain these other benefits, knowing that you have to allocate some to the side to do different activities. But
0: each of those decisions is very tactical. Correct. Based on, like you said, the current state of the table. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it leads
1: it up to... The general. Sure. You the player as the general to, to make this decision. Not the model that you right. signed as the general. Right, If you're taking orders from your models, hey man, that's on you. Like I <laughs> that's a totally separate endeavor. So like I love Catacros. I think he's just so cool. Mm. The origination point of what his war scroll is versus some other war scrolls that we saw after him, you know, Glutose being really the first of the others to follow oh, right. the suit for Eight Knights, yep. Where your damage taken really changes the war scroll and the rules that you're using. Cool, leave him alone. If you want to change the rules a little bit, fine, whatever. I love that I've got a full 8.5 by 11 (laughs) of just detailed, this is the way things change, this is the way things are, all that kind of stuff. I think that's great. I think that is awesome. I think you can leave a lot of the heroes alone. Make the Soul Masons not bad. Like the... Right. Not, sorry, not the Soul Masons, the Soul Reapers. Oh my God. Them and the Immortus Guard just... Break they, my heart. <laughs> yeah. They're cool models. They, you, there's just never a reason to take them. Yeah. And then in terms of, you know, looking forward, doing the prognosticating, doing the wish listing, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's bad that every army doesn't have access to everything. Mm-hmm. So the wish for more tech archers, I get where that's coming from. I don't think it's necessary. If it's added, cool. If they do their own thing, that's cool. Something more in the lines of like chariots, that would be really cool. Having other different tactical pieces that you can have access to. Mm-hmm. If you took Mortech guard and you had an alternate build of them, like a great weapon unit of Mortech guard. Now I know that you can give them... 1 in 10 can have a great weapon but if you have you know the units with swords and shields spears and shields and a unit with great weapons i think that's interesting you pull the save back a level kind of like what you do with graveguard where there's an offensive defensive trade-off with sword and shield but obviously it would be a little bit different they would have the opportunity to be
0: just straight
1: battle line kind of
0: sword masters of hoth kind of a thing a little
1: bit something like that they've talked about in the rumor mill, a hero monster of some variety. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know that there's a lot that would make sense in what the Bone Reapers are if you've got just this guy on top of, you know, like, big bone monster. <laughs> on top of a harvester or something. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you're more likely uh. to have a bone giant, a bone mega gargant kind mm. of a thing. Mm-hmm. A bone golem of some variety. I think that would be pretty cool. Then reaching into, like, old Tomb King's lore... Having the casket of souls Mm. be something that you use and divine inspiration from to create a character. I think what they have in Mir Kynan, the underworld's hero, which is a blender man, necropolis stalker, those kinds of characters. Having a hero at that size, I think was a really cool idea. Having another one would be great. Having a foot liege, I think would be really cool. Having the flexibility and adding and doing all of this other stuff is, I think, what I'd like to see. But I think in terms of the one need is to change the Relentless Discipline mechanic to have it be unique again instead of okay. just, hey, you have kind of command points. We're like, yeah, we know we have kind of command points. But thing is, guys, everybody also does command points the same way now. And you go, cool. What do we get for it? Less. <laughs> uh, my list is relatively short. I'd be totally fine if the lore doesn't change. I'd be fine if the artifacts don't change. I'd be fine if the sub-factions did largely the same kind of stuff. I'd be fine if the units all did something relatively similarly. Part of the thing that frustrates me and keeps me from playing that book, you know, even just in basement pickup games, is I don't feel like that army is unique and special really in any way.
0: No, you don't feel that passion you did when it first hit the table. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just a, everyone else plays the game the same way you do. You just get a a command point that's worded slightly differently. You get slightly more of them, but also you lose out on all this other stuff. Okay, cool. Thanks. Great. Really helpful.
0: That's what I got. Is there anything from the Bone Reapers and stuff that... I know how frustrated you are and others are about the whole change and kind of making, not nerfing relentless discipline points, but making them devalued. Yeah, they were just very ubiquitous, you know, to use a, a fancy word there, but they were, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, I see them all over the place. They're just called something different. Mm-hmm.
1: And now you have, you have more than you could ever need. The tactical measure of that resource is valueless if mm-hmm. it's unlimited. Yeah, You can just say, well, whenever you want, you can use this rule cool so. unless all your heroes are dead well in which case you
0: lost so and I just want to see bone reapers players excited about their army again I would love to see that I always like to see that me too <laughs> <laughs> Talking about my night haunt, and I want to get to the overarching thought with this, is that Nighthaunt for a very long time have just not had the hitting power or the ability to remove other models from the table as it's written. And I personally experienced this when I started, at your suggestion, taking drug in my army. And oh my God. God, man, I was removing Maw Crushers. I was removing Frost Lords. I was, and I never could have done that before. It would have been really difficult for me to take even one of those Some good off. dice, some 9-inch <sighs> charges to get Wave of that Terror. That helps, and- right. And we're going to talk about Wave of Terror in a second, but I just think that there need to be some things that give them now you could argue, okay, we got Nagash now. You can turn him into a pretty beefy melee guy now. You really can, utilizing the night haunt spells. You can bring Drog. You can do those things like I just talked about. But then it's not to me really a night haunt army. There shouldn't be a book that has to rely on outside things to make it viable. I guess that's my point, Brendan. Mm-hmm. And Nagash is still outside. Drog is outside the book. What do you need to do to the book to change it? The other piece is resilience. And you can argue, oh, well, they're very resilient. I'm sorry, but a four-up save is still a four-up save, whether it's non rendable or not. And when you've got heroes who have six or seven wounds, they're just going to disappear in today's, you know, reality. Mm-hmm. And so what do you need to do to maybe give them a better chance to be more resilient so that they can stay there and they can buff your army and they can participate in the game in a better way than they do now? So I've got a list of specific things as opposed to more of the the kind of overarching stuff you did. The six-up ward, and again, this is just Dan Wish listening. Mm-hmm. So the six-up ward right now is 12 inches of a hero. I think you should add or within 18 inches of a general. I think that would be reasonable. I don't think that's... So you would change it to the general or totem kind of... Right, way. a totem. And they do have a totem because they have coach. Yeah, has I don't totem. see
1: why the coach couldn't hand out that save. Right. Seems exactly. reasonable. Yeah,
0: which gets to the point, yeah, coach should be a hero. i just sorry, it should. It... I'm okay if you leave it as not. Yeah.
1: I don't think it'd be a bad thing if you... Have a way of making it a hero, kind of yeah. like the Luminarchs and things like right.
0: that. Right. Feed on terror. That's another allegiance ability where if you make somebody battle shock, you recover a wound, whatever it is. I th- just drop that. Change that rule totally. And what I think to replace it with is something similar to the Vamper mechanic where if you do some damage, you get to heal D3 wounds or something like that. It could still be feeding on terror. When you read the story, what does Alender and what do the leaders in those stories feed on? They feed on souls. So if you kill people, you kill your enemy. You're feeding on their souls, and you should be able to heal from that. I think that's the mechanic I would like to see, because I'm telling you, and I think if Night Haunt players are honest, even the really good ones, everybody forgets that rule just because. <laughs> so make it meaningful. Now, here's another one I know that people are going to go, no way, Dan. I think Wave of Terror should be on a 9 instead of a 10. Okay. You know, it, is it going to have that big an impact? Well, I'll tell you why it won't, because they haven't fixed the charge problem there's a huge that charge problem the charge problem is is that you drop a spirit host in with 10 blade guys. those blade guys, in order to re-roll the hit rolls need him within 12 wholly within 12 inches mm-hmm. i make my charge roll and i roll a 10 and i get them to go in 10 inches on my wave of terror The unit's out of range. I don't get my, now this is all about, we've talked many times and I am very familiar with managing bubbles. Manage your bubbles. Manage your bubbles. But here's the thing, in order to manage your bubble with the distances we're talking about and to again, get that full effectiveness out of the unit that's charged, you have to be able to maximize the number of models that are in base to base. Or it, within an inch. Yeah. yeah, within an inch. In order to do that, you typically have to be further away. You're going to have to take one or two models out of that 12-inch bubble or that hero bubble in order to get those extra attacks. Now, you always have to make a choice. Do I benefit or do I get a few extra attacks? You you have to make that choice. and You shouldn't have to make that choice. And it's constantly there, no matter if it's on a wave of terror or just charging. You always have to do that. And so what do you do? Do But but the absence of choice, I think, defeats the whole purpose. The only way those units in that army, they're not... What's the word? I know there's a term they use. They're not Mm self-sufficient. They can't buff themselves. And you're already talking about an army, and I'll talk about this later, that's all single damage. They have no damage to weapons except for the heroes, perhaps. So if you can't buff those units, it makes a pretty big difference. Agreed. Blade Geists are glass cannons. That's what they are. But they have to be buffed to be that kind of a cannon. You know, again, here's the problem. What's the solution? I think there should be some kind of a deal where, again, this is all wish listing, of course, listeners. If that spirit host is within 12 inches of that unit after it makes a charge of any kind, then... He should have the ability to maybe roll 2d6 to, for an out-of-phase movement or something else to see if he can get back in and join that charge. You know, oh, it's a follow-along. Kind of a follow-along thing. Yeah, I think that would be reasonable. I think, it, again, out-of-phase movement, I get it. But it would solve that problem on average close So enough. narratively, yes. right, So where a lot of the rules are theoretically rooted, why would he get to do that? Because motivation to he sees that juicy group of souls right there. And once he's there and in the combat, he's gonna want to go in there and feed off of them. He's gonna want his own troops to feed off of them. So it draws him in. There's almost like a vacuum pulling him in with his troops to make him part of that feeding frenzy that's gonna happen as he kills those people, those those enemies. Okay. So that would be the motivation I think. That's possible fix to the charge problem. Command traits. I think they should replace all the command traits except ruler of the spirit host. I think that is the one that is worthwhile. I would love to see them create other command traits. For Night Haunt, that are more meaningful. Because most of the people that I know that are Night on players take Ruler of the Spirit Host consistently. And that tells you something if a wide variety of players take the same single command trait. Why is that happening? It must mean something about the other five. No. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, okay. no. <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. Right? Artifacts. I think they should just give us new artifacts because the artifacts are crap. <laughs> they just are.
1: Well, to, to your point, the Ruler of the Spirit Host, the same artifact is taken. Pendant of the yeah. Felwinds. Right? Yep. prior to having the sub-factions that you know, required a you know, specific one to be taken. Yeah. Cool. That was the one you took.
0: Yeah. The extra movement. But again, that tells you something about the others. You want to be able to make choices that are meaningful. Right. And there shouldn't only be a single meaningful choice. And
1: I think that's what these 3.0 books have done so well. Mm-hmm. As yes. That we've gone through them. The Stormcast, the War Clans, and the Nurgle book is outside of a, a couple of you know, real stinkers. Mm-hmm. There have been some choices that I go, I would
0: see why you would take this. Yeah, and that's what I want for my night haunt. The spell lore, don't touch. If you touch the spell lore, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) Because this spell lore, as we talked about with Nagash, it is such a strong spell lore. Mm -hmm. And really gives you lots of great choices for things to do. And almost no matter which one you take, you're going to be getting a really nice benefit out of it. Now, one of the things I could see them doing with the spell lore, and I know the, the ranges are already
1: pretty short, Mm. In terms of the, most of them are twelve inches. As I'm looking at it, I could see them pulling it down to nine, mm. and the reason for that being mm. is that same lore item that you have this based in is the desire to be close and the desire to do those things. You got to be close to do that. You can't be, you know, at 21
0: inches away and going,
1: <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> Now you're scared of me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And in the lore, the spirit hosts and the guardians or spirit torments and the guardians and all those other leaders, Mm -hmm. they do get stuck in. Right, They are right in there with all the other floaty dead people. And that would be consistent. Like you said, shortening that distance. So night on heroes, there's a couple of few things. First of all, I know people. Give the heroes a 5-plus ward save. I talked about the resiliency of the heroes. They need something. I think giving them a 5-up ward is not horribly egregious, especially considering they only have 6 or 7 wounds to begin with. It's not like somebody who's got 18 wounds, you're giving them a 5-up save, so now you've just huge percentage increase in their survivability. But it's something. It's some step towards making them more resilient. Now, is this also
1: part of the, and I don't think we've talked about it yet, the blanket change that Ethereal has in the Soul Blight book where you only ignore the negative modifier. We're going to talk about that, one. Brendan.
0: That's a great one, that right. Dark Mist Neferata spell. That Dark Mist. I'm going to talk about that a lot. That could be huge. I think that Nighthaunt should have locusts just like Soulblight do. I see no reason because that's called the Locus of Shaish. Guess what? Where are Nighthaunt from? Shaish. Mm, sheesh. Why shouldn't they have the same... Benefit on their spells. They have spell casters just like Soul Blight. You could say they're not as powerful. Double tapping uh, those spells, Dan. Woof. I think
1: if you're going to talk about double tapping the spells, the spells got to change. <laughs> I don't think you get both. Wish list.
0: Just sure. say it. The last one for heroes is Lady o. Let's just be honest. She is a Mortark. Okay, now. Of all of the heroes, I am on board with her getting way better. Yes. Way better. Because she got, you know, I'm looking at the Soul Blight book, I got Manfred. On the next page, I have Neferata. And then I put teeny tiny Lady alinda next to them. What's the deal here? They all have a Mortar keyword. I don't get it. You know, what are some things in her War Skull should reflect that stronger... Indiv- I mean, my God, in the lore, she killed a Celestine Prime. Mm. <laughs> she's pretty powerful. In the game, not so much. Mm. I mean, she's got some great abilities, but overall, eh. So, my first change would be to replace her command ability. Her command ability for a command point, which is a very precious commodity in this game.
1: Well, as we just talked about in Bone Reapers, is you have more than you deserve. <laughs>
0: yeah. She gets model back. A model for a command point. No. Uh-uh. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use that for something else. Typically. Right? That command point. Yeah? So, give her something. You had talked about Dark Mist, which is a Neferata spell that basically allows her to give a unit... Ethereal. Ignoring Rend, right. but still having the ability to improve their save. Right. So, no negatives, but you can still do positives. I think putting that on her would be amazing. Give her that. In fact, give all Night Haunt heroes the Dark Myth. So, Ethereal should be Dark Mist. That's what it should be, I think, in that book. So, but what is this command ability that you've changed then? Okay. So, the command ability is her ability to give a unit. Dark mist. Well, but you've just said that ethereal across the board is dark mist. No, okay. I'm saying on the heroes, it should be at least, at the very least. If you want to give it to the whole army, that's cool too. That's all right. And then we could give her some other command ability. Okay, so you're saying that heroes have a separate
1: ethereal, that is, they can get the positives, but they ignore the rent. At a minimum. And then the army, in this suggestion that you're making, is that they ignore plus and minus... And then this command ability removes the ignore the pluses. Right. Okay.
0: So in my dream world, the whole army gets... They ignore the the negatives and still can get the positives. People would say, that'd be so powerful, but now let's come back to reality. You're only going to be able to do that to one unit, right? Give them the positives because you can only cast Mystic Shield once. Mm -hmm. So you can give that to one unit. You can give one unit, if you have the command points, all out defense, one unit, because you can't use that more than once. So it's not like you can give that to five different units in the army. Making Ethereal that thing in the Nighthorn army wouldn't be detrimental. It wouldn't be so unbalanced. It wouldn't make them unbeatable in any way. But it would give them options. It would give you tactical options. You know, I've got this brick of 30 chain rests You can get them to a four. Up. Okay, so some other things. So that's for the heroes, some of my thoughts. And an ethereal. So I think that hex race should get dispersed formation.
1: What is your justification for that? Okay. And the reason I say what is your justification for that because this yeah. is a problem for cavalry across the board. Yes. So what is your justification that Hex Ray should get this over every cavalry well, unit.
0: Here's the thing. I'm only speaking for my army. Mm-hmm. If other people believe that that should happen, I would agree because what you've essentially done is you have forced cavalry armies to take five model units. Because those five model units are operating at 100%. Because you're going to get five of them in base. So that means you've got five models right in base. If you have ten models, typically you're going to get seven in base. Best you case scenario. Yeah. So now you're only operating at 70%, right? I mean, when you think about that, mm-hmm. it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm paying all these points to essentially get the same thing that I would get out of a five model unit. It's just stupid. Right. right? So why would Hex Race deserve that over every other cavalry no, unit? I don't think that other cavalry units shouldn't get something like that as well. And from a lore perspective, these are hallowed knights. I mean, these are people who were knights. They were trained. They were disciplined. You know, those kind of things. So are they going to have the ability to maximize the effect of their charge and their horses and their, you know, steeds and so forth? Yeah, they would. That would make sense that they'd have ability to maximize. So what
1: you want is there's a certain base size Mm -hmm. that gets... Yeah. A different ovals. Object. Those ovals would get that. Right. So I, I think there's a limit. Yes. Right. Because the smaller ovals, which is what these are.
0: Yes. And your Cavalos, I believe, are in those size. Yep.
1: Versus something like Blood Knights, the next, you know, the next size up. And Gore Those, mm-hmm. if they get the full six that they paid for. Oh, Sure. Get a much higher impact from right. the ten that you're paying. Agreed. For. There is an upper and a lower
0: bound. Yes, for this agreed. Problem. I still think it's a problem, and I feel, still think they should have a solution. Taking two units of five instead of a unit of ten. Yeah, okay. If I have to do that, I will. I I think that deters people from taking those models in a lot of cases. So anyway, just a, a thought. Let's talk about endless spells a little bit. Okay. I think, again, personal opinion, is that two of the three are pretty worthless in the Nighthaunt book. Fair. Terminexus, they did a great job of Termexus rewriting it. It's really good. And I think that they should just leave the endless spells alone. If they want to write a couple new ones, that's great. But not only do you have Terminexus now, but you've got some really nice choices in general endless spells. You've got Shackles, you've got Spell Portal, you've got other things. So I don't think that not giving you three decent endless spells in this book is a detriment at all because you have many, many other options. And then a couple other things, real quick. Revenants, blade guys, revenants. Okay. They need two inch, two inch reach. I agree. And what's and here's the justification? We talked about this briefly once. The size of those freaking blades—they're like seven feet long. Tell me that isn't the same as one of those Reaper size for the Grim Gas Reapers. They need two inch for the same reason that hex rays need dispersed formation. You know, you're only going to get a single. You, you have to take a unit of ten for for sure now, of which only half of those can get in base to base. Essentially, paying for ten models, but you're only getting five worth of work out of that. And the way to fix that is give them two-inch reach. I do not think in any way that's unreasonable for them. This book needs a unit or units that can do more than one
1: damage. And I'm on board with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have some other morgul light kind of a unit, like smaller Morguls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baby morngols. <laughs> yeah, sure. Where they're on 40s, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And you know they come in units of three and they have a higher reliable damage output. Mm -hmm. I think that's more likely, because I agree. I agree that there should be something in that army where you can have a reliable damage component or an ability Mm -hmm. to bring the damage output up
0: so that's my list, and that's what I think would be helpful, some things I think would be useful for the next iteration of this book. Yes, I'm very encouraged that Nagash is an option, but he's still 50% of your army. But You get so much for you that. You do. You do?
1: Because and part of what Nighthaunt really struggled with, and I know you found it in some of the different ways you compose your list, is having the reliable means of regeneration, mm-hmm. bringing models back in a reliable and effective and meaningful way. His is automatic. Mm -hmm. His is table-wide. His is guaranteed.
0: And having a unit that, if properly used, and if you use a proper combination of spells, and wombo combos, he can be pretty hard hitting, going in, tough with... He can pin down different units to prevent, you know, them from doing things
1: in the order that you don't want them doing them in. So That's mind-blowingly good.
0: You know, you think about a combination of, like, Life Stealer, where, not Life Stealer, but um, Spirit Drain, where you can give out you know, mortals on six pluses mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of arcane bolts. Between those two things, holy mud, you're going to be putting out a lot of mortal wounds on something, whatever it is. And then if you throw in Reaping Side that we can reroll hits and wounds, he could be a real punching bag. Now, I'd like to throw out
1: an idea that you didn't have listed here. Yes. Rather than the damage two component. Yes. None of your units outside of, you know, some of the heroes or some of the things specifically that are damaged to you, you don't get this baby Morgul unit that no. I interjected into this. Yes. So everything is still left at damage one, but your whole army gets spectral touch. Mm. So every six to hit from your whole army is a mortal wound mm. and the sequence ends. Mm-hmm.
0: That would be really interesting. Yeah.
1: So just kind of like poison weapons with what Cruel Boys have, but mm-hmm. you already have the precedence in. So many of your other ghost army guys already have this rule. Yes. It's personally never made a ton of sense to me why some ghosts get to be
0: extra spooky and some don't. Yes, right. Uh, Especially the ghosts on bases. <laughs> why are they better than blade guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, makes no sense. I think that's the other alternative
1: to That could you... be
0: made an allegiance ability, for example. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That would be excellent.
1: And that would, again, solve the Grim Gas Reaper paradox.
0: Yes, Because you'd get what you needed there. Yeah,
1: you keep it. You keep the thing that keeps them really good, locked behind the allegiance ability. And if they're good in the other army, they're good for a different reason.
0: Sure. Okay, well, may all our wishes come true. And and with that, we are going to move on to a scriptorium, Brendan. Okay, we're back with scriptorium. But before we... Go into Scriptorium. I just wanted you to know that Brendan is now a certified psychic (laughs) because... I think you guys know we're pretty straight up, pretty honest, and we had no idea that the latest white dwarf, Brendan discovers as we took our break before this, has an update for Bone Reapers. So I guess we're going to find out, Brendan. I'm going to find out very shortly. (laughs) So I'm probably not getting a new book for a
1: while. It's number one (laughs) what that tells me. But number two, we've seen the white dwarf make changes from time to Mm -hmm. time. And as we talked about on the last show, Some more meaningful than others. Yeah. And in the instance of things like Giants took the outlier issues that they had and brought it into line with what 3.0 is going to be. So I'm hoping that they take this opportunity to write a paragraph or two that brings the relentless discipline mechanics into line with something that makes it unique in the interim. Because as you guys did or didn't listen to the last segment, my real only need for that book Is around the evaluation and usage of that mechanic Okay That's something that can be updated in a White Dwarf I wouldn't have expected them to But I guess we'll find out in a couple of
0: weeks there Yes, we will All right With that, let's move on to books and stuffs Uh, We have several new releases, actually First one is called Beasts And it's about a vampire lord who is being hunted underground by We're assuming beasts Ah, so
1: relatable Uh, Who hasn't been there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some kind of a trap's been laid for him and he has to escape and blah, blah, blah. So it sounds interesting, though, if you're into such things. There's a book called Rain, R-E-I-G-N, not the kind that comes down from the sky. And it is a Necron book. I guess rain can come down from the sky. I guess it can. Yeah, that kind of rain. If you love Necrons, I'm sure this will be of interest. A new horror book, The Bookkeeper's Skull. Sounds interesting. A young enforcer whose father was an enforcer has left some kind of a inheritance or something, and there's something going on with that. And then we have the newest, the seventh Caiaphas Cain book came out, The Emperor's Finest. So that looks pretty cool. But a new book for him, I'm buying that all day. So great. There are a couple of short stories. There's one called Mad Doc, and there's one called Amor Fatih, which is translated Love Your Fate, is basically what it says. These stories both use a storyline tool that I hate, okay. which is bringing back dead guys, oh. especially really big dead guys. So the Mad Doc. What do you book, got against size? <laughs> the Mad Doc one is about School coming back to life after Ragnar killed him. It was clear he could like beheaded him. And now he's coming back. It's like, orcs, orcs, that is orcs, 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 orcs. so lazy. The other one is... That
1: circumvents the whole notion that if the orcs <laughs> believe in something, it's true. Yeah. And all they have to do is believe that if his head's reattached, he's alive. Yes. And that fits squarely into existing
0: <laughs> narrative lines. And if Mad Dog Grotznik is the one who's going to do this, of course it's doable. Right. Now, the other one, the Love Your Fate book, Eidolon, is a notoriously idiotic Emperor's Child, okay? Reasonable. He was killed by his own primarch A couple of times. grown. yeah. <laughs> and now he's coming back again. Like, just stop with this. If they're dead, they're dead. Sanguinius is dead. They're dead. They're always going to be dead, and that's okay. Heroes need to die sometimes. Villains need to die sometimes. All right, so that's new releases, my friend. Your stuff.
1: So I finished the Giannis biography. Yes.
0: So that was pretty cool.
1: Basically, once it got into kind of the... When he got to Milwaukee and some of the things that were better documented, there's not a lot of stuff. Things you knew already. Yeah, there's not a ton of things that haven't been written about a bunch by local journalists or national media or things like that. Uh It'll be cool to see, you know, however many years down the road when he's done playing, the things that are effectively added on to, Uh you know. The book was written before the championship. And there was that open-endedness and being able to listen with the full knowledge of what comes after, right? Like immediately after. They finish writing all of this just before the 2020, 2021 season.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: fun, funny thing about that. It'll be cool to see, you know, what transpires from here and all of okay. the things that occur after the fact. Kind of at a, a sticking point. I'm not sure what to go into listening to next. I'm sure I'll figure it out. I've been meaning to sit down and watch The Witcher. I just haven't had a you know a moment where I'm gonna sit down and, and this is what I'm gonna do. Like I have these motivations where I want to have something kind of in the background. I know some of these shows I got to sit down and I, I got to watch. But coming out tonight, Sunday, Righteous Gemstone season two mm-hmm. comes out. That's pretty interesting. Cool. I've, that's the super evangel- evangelist comedy spoof where John Goodman plays you know the patriarch of a familial evangelical family and the power struggle they're in. Sure. Danny McBride is in it. And oh, there's- that's great. <laughs> season one was really fun and if they had left it as its own self-contained thing, it would have been pretty cool. The fact that they have more seasons they wanted to write about and I guess the focus of season two is a little bit more about John Goodman's character as as a younger man and how he got to where he is and and that's kind of one of the side stories that I guess plays alongside okay whatever their present day activities are. All right. I'm looking forward oh, to that. He that's great. he plays that character Righteous really gemstones.
0: well. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so what do you got, Dan? Well, I am reading this book War in the Shallows on the riverine operations during the Vietnam War. And it's an absolutely fascinating book. It is such an un expected pleasure to read this book because I knew a lot about the Vietnam War because I lived through it. Sure. Having had my father there. Just it was in my life, literally happening while I was growing up. And there's so many anecdotal stories of the heroism of these men. You don't realize how important the Mekong Delta was to like the city of Saigon and the people. This Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who lived in the Mekong Delta that were literally being held hostage by the Viet Cong. It's interesting because the book takes you up in tells you why the United States even got involved in this naval part of the war, which a lot of people have no idea they were so involved because the Vietnamese, there was so much political strife and there were coups taking place and just a lot of uh, competition and so forth. So the Vietnamese Navy was just totally unable to handle the challenge. And so the Viet Cong literally controlled all this. And then the U.S. Navy, again, had to do kind of what they did in the Civil War, Brendan. They never fought wars on rivers, before. So they had to improvise and come up with boats. and It had been about a uh, hundred years. Yeah, and so now it's another hundred years, and they had to start all over again. The things that they had to do, for example, they, they had developed the patrol boats, that they actually had water jet engines, which made it so they could go over sandbars and other things like that. But they had these grills at the bottom they had to clean out on a regular basis. And they were talking about how they had to, you know, dive under the boat and reach in and pull stuff out. And they said that sometimes there were actually live snakes in there that gotten sucked into it. <laughs> so oh, the guy God. reaches in and he grabs a live snake. He's like, oh my God, What just funny stories like that. But there's also, again, a lot of heroism and you just, it's unbelievable that like 80% of the infiltration and the supplies that were brought in along the coast of Vietnam by the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong 80% of them were cut off by these operations over those several years. And the other thing real quickly was I never knew that there was a US Navy helicopter squadron. It's a HAL3. They were called the Sea Wolves and they actually supported these riverine operations. These Navy pilots it was like a whole special elite training program that they had to go through to fly these UH-1 Hueys. Navy didn't fly Hueys. They learned to do this and they provided unbelievable like close air Support and they said that it was like one of the most decorated units. There were only two hundred guys in this unit, and they said that they received over like seventeen thousand citations and medals and stuff. Wow! Because of how much they were involved and how heroic they were and the things they did. It was pretty impressive. So now I've got a, another book in, in the queue about that squadron and how they trained and everything. It's pretty neat. Jeez, um, that's a... That was insane when I saw the number. So really, really a good book, War in the Shallows. Then I did finish On Dangerous Ground, my Sean Dillon book. I think it's the third one. And then I did finish listening to Sabbat Martyr, which is the seventh Gonskos book. Some things I had forgotten. And so when I was listening, I'm going, oh, my God, man, I forgot that (laughs) happens." But it's, it's excellent. And Toby Longworth does an excellent job, as always. Now, the next thing, arcane. It's just, wow, is the only word I could use. It was incredibly intense. The characters and what happened in the story, just so good. I just was shocked at how good it was. Pleasantly surprised. And I would recommend it to just about anybody who's into that kind of a story. Watch RK. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and I finished the first season, so hopefully, crossing fingers, there's going to be a second one. I can't imagine how it'll be. I'm so glad I finished watching the last two episodes of Expanse in season five, because so much stuff happened. <laughs> if I had just jumped into season six, I would have missed so much. So I think I'm on the second episode now in season six. I'm watching them when I'm on the rowing machine. Yeah, great story again. Great characters and character development and really well acted. And then one last thing I wanted to talk about real quickly was I had recently listened to a book called Godblight, which was the third kind of Gilliman book, Gilliman versus Mortarian book in the Indominus era. Okay. And we just talked about the Baggotkin. And we talked about plague bearers and mutter grubs, Mm -hmm. right? When I was finished going over the book with you, and then I was looking through and going, wait a minute, I heard this stuff before. And there was parts of the story in God Blight. Literally, there was a greater demon who used a mutter grub to infiltrate the imperial side. I'm going, oh my God, it's just like in the book. Like the book used the stuff out of the battle tome. You know, that was so cool. And then there was a young, like, apprentice priest who was in this city that was under siege by Mortarian. And he was walking down the street. And all of a sudden, these plague bears just, like, started coming out of the ground, right? The first thing he heard, he, they were counting. <laughs> and I'm going, wait a minute. We just talked about the count. We talked about the Scrivener. They were just, like, three, four feet. And he was like, what are they doing? He, he just didn't understand. But that's all he heard from them was the count. And it was pretty cool that there was that connection. Yeah, that I remember from neat. those things. Anyway, that's it for my reads and listens and watches. Let's move on to this or that. Brendan, you know who has the
1: choice? I think I'll go first because I've been having you go first recently, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's always a coin flip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll start with... The things that are kind of semi-battle scroll related. Okay, sure, sure. One of the things that we saw in this battle scroll was a willingness to rewrite big, important war scrolls. Right, Nagash, Archeon, Kragnos. Mm-hmm. What is the next big war scroll that you would rewrite, and what would you change on it?
0: Oh, god.
1: So what I'm aiming for is, you know, something like a centerpiece or like a faction yeah, leader or something yeah.
0: like that man, Brendan, that's tough. Because a lot of the books I would think about have just come out. Like, you know, Great and Clean one, or they just rewrote the Glockkin, which was perfect. A yeah. perfect rewrite. I think maybe one of the Eidolons. Okay. Now that we've talked about it a little bit, it kind of comes to mind. And I think the one that's not the fighty one. The caster. The caster, I think might be interesting to rewrite that one to see what else they can do with it to kind of You know, kind of pump it up a little bit, Mm -hmm. I think. Don't most people tend to the fighty one? Yeah. I think...
1: With where it sits at with the points, the things that you can do with it, like taking an arcane tome, taking flaming weapon, it has retreat and charge, it gets Mm -hmm. benefits for charging, you know, healing and damage-wise... It's a pretty good unit. Why not? Right.
0: Yeah, so it kind of has the effect that you were talking about, where if you do this with Blade Geist, you won't take Reapers anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you have this thing... If you can't make it a caster, then... There's a little bit of a different value to it. Right. I think that would be one that I would like to see redone for Mm -hmm. the Eidneth players. Now... What would you try and change with it, though? Like, would you make it like a more powerful caster? Yes, that's what I would like to do. Make it a more powerful caster so that magic would be more meaningful in that army. Uh, Because one of the things I hope when that battle tone comes out is give these guys something else besides freaking eels. Like, I'm so tired, with all apologies to all you Eidneth players, I'm so tired of seeing eels in every single list. It's what we talked about before where they all look the same. And to me, they kind of do. So give them something else mm-hmm. and maybe this would be one of those other things you can give them. Well, I hope the new hero that they get
1: makes adding to Marty Yes. Meaningful. Yeah, that would be great. Selection.
0: Yeah, so that that's the first thing that comes to mind since she, that was pretty wide open. So. <laughs> okay.
1: What's a hobby goal that you have for yourself for the year?
0: For the whole year is to finish up the Soul Blight I want to paint. Okay. And just getting ready for Adepticon isn't going to finish up everything I want. I still want to paint Radikar. I want to paint, you know, a couple other models. I want to get Nagash done, whether I use him or not. I think in a narrative event or a smaller event, I might use him. Something like that. The Soul Blight is definitely my first. That's an extended thing. Sure. Over the year. Yeah, that's fine. Yep.
1: Tipping our hand a little bit here to Sunday announcements. Which Battletome are you more excited to review? The Deepkin or the Fire Slayers? Deepkin. Any reason? Just
0: I just think they're cooler. Okay. I, I don't know. I had the joy of playing Fire Slayers for the first and probably only time at PantsCon. And they were cool. They were fun. But I just don't have a lot of interest in them. A lot of little go tricks, you know, running around the table. So I just find idneth more, more uh, diverse. You know, there's a lot of different types of units in it that I would, yeah. So sure. I'd like to see what they incorporate in there. Okay.
1: Tomorrow night is the college football playoff national championship game brought to yes. you by Dr. Pepper. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Brendan. You're, you're welcome. As I have my official bag of Fansville Dr. Yes. Pepper bag that I yeah, bring th- with you. You had to
0: throw that in there. I got it. I got
1: it. You him. know, I'm not sponsored by Dr. <laughs> no, Pepper. No, of course. Neither one of us I'd so, like yes. to be personally sponsored by <laughs> Dr. Pepper, I think is what I'm getting at. Who wins? Now, obviously, by the time that people listen to this, the game will already have been resolved. But... On We're recording on
0: Sunday. I'm going to say Alabama. Okay. I just It's funny because you asked the question. I've seen so many stories now about how Georgia is just reaching out to everybody and saying, what would you do? How would you beat Alabama? It's like they just can't figure it out. And so my last question for you, as you've talked about on the show before, you've been retired
1: for a couple of years now. Yeah. And Cindy has joined you in retirement. Yeah. So this is going to be your first full year that the two of you are retired together. Yes. What's something you would like to accomplish in in your retiredness? That
0: is a great question and timely. Okay. Because we have already started putting together a list of things we would like to do and places we would like to go. Cool. And we've got like five or six things. For example, we had a river cruise in Europe on our list, but given the environment, that one's going on pause. That for one's a going way on the pause, but. We've talked about taking a train trip out west somewhere, riding on a train. We've talked about traveling different places and places we haven't been or places. There was a a resort in Florida that we went to many, many years ago that we want to go back to. It's in the Panhandle. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. So we've got about going there. We're actually going to go to an RV show for the first time ever at the end of the month. Because we're thinking, hey, maybe we want to RV a little bit. You know, why not? We have the time and... Hopefully we'll have the resources. And so those are the kind of things that we've talked about doing. And it's pretty exciting to have those kind of dreams and stuff. And then hopefully see some of them come to fruition. Yeah,
1: that sounds fun. Yeah. Is there any one in particular that really
0: stands out as something that... I don't think so. Because I think each one of them is unique. Or it's something we haven't done before or Mm -hmm. for a very long time. We just haven't been able to. And now that we can, I think it's something we want to give a shot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's it. Yeah, those are my five. Okay. So my first question is, would you rather TO a team event or a singles
1: event? Singles event, I think it's just a little bit easier. You know, part of what we always say is run the events that you want to play in. Mm-hmm. And I love playing in team events. Team events are fun. That's why I asked, yeah. There is an additional additional level of logistics for team events that goes into it that... I don't want to manage.
0: Okay. Okay, given some of the changes we talked about today and some of the other things going on in the hobby, would you rather play a Destruction or a Chaos Army? Like a, on the other side of the table or that no, I'm playing? No, you're playing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed running Kragnos and Monster Trucks. Okay. I would absolutely consider playing that at an event. It was fun. Yeah. There's definitely an upper bound limit to it, but... You know, like every game with Beast Claw Raiders, all you have to do is bring 18 dice, your tape measure, four War Scrolls, and you're good. Like, sure. you know, games
0: are over in an hour and a half, one way or the other. There you go. Are you familiar with Clint Eastwood movies at all? Have you seen any of them? Some. Have you seen Good, Bad, and the Ugly? No. you never seen it? Okay. Have you seen Josie Wells? No. Okay, so next time... <laughs> I'm getting homework assignment. I'm going to ask you... About these two movies. Okay. So this is a question I, I wanted to throw it in there on my list. Good, Bad, and the Ugly and Josie Wells. Those are the two Clint Eastwood movies I want you to at least okay. consider. Familiarize myself yes. with? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to the ne- these next two are food questions. Of course, I usually have food questions for you. You're going to have pasta tonight. Would you rather have spaghetti or pain? Which is the little tube-like
1: yeah. pastas. Spaghetti. Okay. I'm more confident cooking it.
0: <laughs> okay, that's fair. Do you like the taste of pizza sauce or pasta sauce better? I think it depends on the pizza sauce. Oh, okay. I think there are
1: some pasta sauces I prefer to pizza sauces, and I think there's some pizza sauces oh, I okay. prefer to.
0: So you have no definitive answer to that
1: question. Yeah, which is really a cop-out. I understand that. <laughs> you know, But I like... Uno's pizzas pasta sauce cuz it's got a little bit of spice to it. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, if you were to ask me like Papa John's pasta or pizza mm-hmm. sauce. Nah, man, just I like <laughs> we're okay. Like that's not what I'm buying your pizza for. Okay. I'm buying your pizza because there's a financial amount of money <laughs> that I have to invest. There's really a floor on what I'm looking for here. It's like I've got and really it's from my college days, it's like I got ten dollars and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how much pizza I can buy with sure. the ten dollars. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. What a By the time way, that is was. that
0: pizza place that we were gonna go to before? Is it reopened or
1: Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It was just
0: for whatever reason closed on that day we were together. That day. Yeah. Okay. Don't know cool. why. All right, well, that's my five questions, one of which we're going to defer to the next show. Fair enough. Right. So, next episode, I have six questions to answer, one of which is. No, a- I'll make these one of the five still. Okay. Okay. So, you know what one of them is, which is unusual. Ooh. Yeah, hopefully I remember to. <laughs> I'll remind you. Don't worry. Perfect. <laughs> okay. So, let's move on to show close. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. So, Brendan, Sunday announcements, well, we know. First of all, we've got the Bone Reapers update in the White Dwarf. So, we talked so the, about that.
1: So the new White Dwarf coming out, including okay. some Bone Reaper information, which obviously very exciting. They're including Gene Stewart Cult, Kill Team stuff for it, which is fine or whatever. That's not what I'm here for, but it's really for the, the Bone right, Reapers right. stuff. Sure. Hopefully they get some battalions that work for them. Hopefully they get some rules that work for them. Yeah, so. we'll see.
0: We'll see how it matches up to your wish list. Exactly. Yep.
1: But the... Fury of the Deep, which is the Fire Slayers versus Deatkin box, goes up for pre order on Saturday. Nice. And that includes the two heroes that you're working with. And obviously, sometime shortly thereafter, we're going to get the battle tomes for them, which, yep. awesome, sign me up. Yep. You get the Underworld's Ogre Pirate and his, his motley an- gang of animals. His menagerie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then some Blood Bowl pitches. Oh, it's a Nurgle Blood Bowl pitch. That's what that is. Nice.
0: Slimy. Yeah. And some books, Necron ships. Okay. Blah 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 blah. All right. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Awesomeness. It's interesting. All right. So that's Sunday announcements, then episode eighty nine. We'll figure it out. We always do. I know we say that once in a while, but hey, we've got Battletomes coming out soon, mm-hmm. we know. One or both. And then we'll have those to talk about. And I'm sure there'll be something else we can throw in. Stretching contents. Yeah. <laughs> that too. There's always something to talk about. Oh, somebody always brings something up and we'll maybe piggyback off of some other conversations and those kind of things. That's or it. Then. we'll
1: invent something new. Ooh, Like we do sometimes. Wouldn't that be
0: original? Yes, yeah. we do that. Okay. Brendan, thanks as always absolutely and thank you listeners for joining us we hope you guys uh, stay safe and stay healthy and we will see you next time around bye this is the end.